Welcome to the iGear podcast. My name is Zen and I'm the host of the show. This is really a pilot episode. It's our initial or inaugural podcast. And the idea behind this is to give the audience a view on tech and travel, not necessarily one or the other, but maybe both of them mixed. And it's going to be a fortnightly show. So we'll try and get as many guests on as possible. We do have a guest uh, today, a very special guest, and um, we're honoured to have him on the show and we'll talk about, about him in a minute. You might be wondering, you've clicked on this show and some of you might not know about iGear and I just want to quickly run down what iGear is and what the kind of narrative is or the theme of the shows, what they're going to be on. So iGear is a, is a clothing retailer. Um, we focus on travellers, um, pretty much everything from mountain rescue to fishing to sports to airport travel. It's funny because we get asked a lot as to um, why are you marketing towards one specific market? Why is it the tech market when you could be marketing towards X, Y and Z? Which is true. Um, so we are seen as a tech related audience. Uh, and many of us now with Apple Watch, iPads, iPhones, we are carrying some sort of electronic device with us. Um, and this is why we focus primarily on technology. So how do we differentiate ourselves from other brands? Our concept is basically having strategically located pockets and they hold the likes of iPads, touch interfaces for your smartphones. You've got earphone routing for your um, mp3 player if you still carry one or your smartphone all while it's being weight balanced and I should also point out the new Retina MacBooks they are also um, they also fit in perfectly fine with our clothing and the idea is basically you carry everything with you discreetly you've got concealed pockets and kind of going back on to how it's being linked with the show um, personally myself listen to a lot of podcasts um, tech related and uh, I thought it'd be nice to maybe start something because there isn't many shows on iTunes or in the podcast world which focus on travel and tech you maybe get one or the other but it'd be a nice insight um, combining both of these and having a nice theme if you have any ideas or comments or any feedback really um, we are open, nothing set in stone if you have any suggestions for how we should be doing the show uh, if you want to come on as a guest feel free to email us, we will be getting a nice variety, a nice mixture whether it's our customers or whether it's um, uh, social media fanatics so moving on swiftly, uh, and this kind of ties in nicely with our guest um, his name is Mo you might know him as Mquan he will introduce himself to you. He's, uh, let's just put it this way, he's a man of many different talents. He's a <laughs> ex-full-time YouTuber here in the UK. He currently teaches in the United Arab Emirates uh, in Abu Dhabi. And he has quite a bit of fame and success in the Middle East. He's been featured in prominent publications and um, we're honoured to have him on the inaugural show, mainly because I've known Mo for a few years now. Um, we've met at uh, the Gadget Show Live and 
me being a part of the YouTube scene some years ago, we've uh, had uh, a lot of um, friendly and good interactions, I would say so. And the reason why I think you know he fits in really nicely with the show is because he's currently travelling. So he's back home in the UK, um, and I wanted to get him on to see what his tech and travel lifestyle is like. So Mo, I'll hey. hand it over to you and you can introduce yourself. Thank you very much, Sen. Now, um, I'm really excited about the uh, this podcast uh, theme that you've got going on. I think you're right in the sense that you know there's there's very few uh, that actually focus on tech and travel, which are you know quite a common theme now mm-hmm. for a lot of people. But uh, we don't necessarily get that mixture in in videos or, or podcasts or other information sets like this. So it's uh, it's a good idea. Um, so my my real name is Mo. That's uh, uh, but my online name is Mquan, and uh, essentially I'm a YouTuber. Um, I'm also what they call in the industry a, a digital influencer. So I, I work through social media to help brands kind of reach uh, a concentrated or a niche target audience um, and, and help brands to kind of uh, put through their, their narrative, their theme, their message um, through through social media. And I also work as a consultant as well. So consultant uh, in higher education and also within social media for brands as well. I'm originally from Leicester, born and raised, which is in the East Midlands of, of yep. the UK. Um, but I moved out about three years ago to the United Arab Emirates, uh, which is uh, sort of a place called Abu Dhabi, which is the capital of the Emirates. But a lot of people will know Dubai. And uh, it's it's basically uh, the, the same country that Dubai comes from. So... That's uh, that's where I'm based. Uh, I'm a family kind of guy. I'm a, I'm you know a, a, a big fan of technology. Uh, as you've mentioned, Zen, I, I travel a lot as well. So, variety of different things that I'm into. And you not only travel to you're in the UK just now. You're here visiting family and so on. But not only do you travel from like the Middle East to the West, but you actually travel a lot within the UAE as well to Dubai to attend that's shows right. and for content. Yeah. Yeah, How have you found the change, yeah. kind of, you know, from moving from YouTube in the UK and 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 going to Abu Dhabi? Did you see there was maybe a lot of other YouTubers there, or how's the scene? The scene is interesting because it's it, it um, there's not much competition, if I'm honest, uh, in the sense that mm. YouTube is not as mature in the Middle East, I'd say, generally as it is in the UK or the US or in Europe. Uh, that's one aspect. But then when you factor in uh, the language uh, element, so within the languages, I mean, I all my videos are in English, so that makes me, uh, you know, much less uh, in terms of, you know, the other YouTubers that are doing it. We do have uh, some, We I'd say we have probably about 10 to 15 serious YouTubers in the region, in the East Midlands. And then out of those, perhaps, you know, one or two of them are English speakers. Um, the rest of them tend to focus on Arabic uh, being the dominant language of the, the area. So the YouTube scene there is completely un- untapped in the sense that it's still relatively new. Um, brands and, and companies are just about taking it serious now in terms of uh, working with YouTubers and, and, and actually harnessing the platform. So it's still new in that sense um, for me. You know, I'm actually really happy for you because I know when um, you were back in the UK, you were doing this full time and 
I'm yeah. kind of glad that you haven't got your eggs all in the one basket. You, you're you're teaching, right. and then you're doing this on the side, and 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 you're making it work um, because yeah. it's a market, as you say. There's no competition, and it's doing really well for you. And it's and, and something that you're passionate about as well, and of social course. media, and you're still doing your tech reviews and so on. Yeah, I think when I was in That's the UK, pretty- one of the things I mean, I don't, I can't remember if you remember, but at the point that I met you, I was trying to make YouTube a full time thing, and. Um, I did give it a go for about eight, nine months, and it just got to the point where, um, you know, if you try and make YouTube a full-time thing, you've got to be at that position to try and make it happen organically. Otherwise, what what ended up happening with me was I was much more focused on views, much more focused on trying to get hits, um, you know, and, and it's quite a, it's a slow process. To build up, you yeah. know, subscribers and, and a fan base, and then, you know, a reputation really on YouTube. So I think this is something that I get asked a lot about at the moment. A lot of people assume that I do this full time, and then they want to, mm-hmm. you know, how can I make YouTube my full time thing? I think I'm very careful about advising people to try and make it their full time. I would never, even now, uh, I wouldn't make it my full time. I would, um, mm-hmm. I would still use it as a platform. I think YouTube is great as a platform but i think you have to be careful if you are aiming to make it a full-time thing some of the top top youtubers something they don't you know casually talk about is the fact that a lot of them have revenue income streams that are independent from youtube they use youtube as yep. a platform but they are I was making, just going to touch on that yeah yeah i mean I, you know yeah. we know some of the youtubers that make money more money from from either a website through ad selling or through you know endorsements or whatever so so that's a that's an important thing to be aware of. I think as a as a platform, it's great. As a hobby platform, it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to be careful that you know you don't uh, you don't kind of kid yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is you're absolutely bang on because most of these big other YouTubers get endorsements and you know they get paid way more than what they get through YouTube. You know exactly. exactly. And the thing with focusing on YouTube entirely is it can turn overnight so you could get like a copyright claim or something technical could happen and that's you lost your platform um and it's 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 a scary world out there and i'm 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 happy that you're not doing it um full time maybe things will change yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you you. so now that you're traveling um what is your kind of tech setup like what are you using my tech setup is uh it's kind of at the moment uh i you know in the past when i traveled i tried to keep it as mobile as possible but there are a ton of restrictions and uh, being a youtuber um one of the things the setup that i have currently at the moment now involves basically a macbook pro uh it's quite an old one actually i do need to upgrade to a, a newer one i'm waiting for perhaps you know new models or whatever to come out in the near future but i've got a macbook pro that's i think 2010 or 2009 perhaps mm-hmm. i can't remember um so that's Unibodies, a, yeah yeah the unibody version so so that's mm-hmm. my that's my main if you imagine you know kind of computer laptop mac whatever um that's yeah. my main system and then i use that really for editing so i record a lot of my blogs now on canon cameras uh, either the uh, G7X or the Legria Mini X or the S120. Try and carry three, uh, two, two around minimum with me at least, and then I might throw in the G7X when I when I want particular kind of shots that I'm looking for. 
and then obviously those need to be edited and um, the two channels that I run Mquan reviews and Mquan blogs Mquan reviews uh, we kind of upload videos uh, when we can but Mquan uh, vlogs is really quite religiously uploaded at least two uploads mm-hmm. a week and they usually fall on a Wednesday and Saturday so for that reason I need to have uh, a system nearby that can allow me to edit and and upload those you know efficiently um, I've tried a lot of the mobile kind of options like the iPads and and even recording vlogs on my phone and then editing uploading but it, it's just too cumbersome really and yep. uh, too fiddly. I remember you're using your iPad setup uh, yeah. when you started off in Abu Dhabi and I think you had an iPad mini if I'm not mistaken that's right that's right but um yeah. I, I I made the mistake of getting a 16 gigabyte and then you know we recently had a baby boy so he's kind of completely hogged that now for his uh, for his for his stuff, which is you know, <laughs> kiddie shows That's and things, <laughs> so it means that it's just uh, close to impossible to use use the iPad now for editing. But I think the other uh. thing is that you know iMovie is great an application as it is. Um, when you uh. get to a certain level on on YouTube and you want to try and uh, have a certain kind of feel to your videos, and it becomes very difficult to use iMovie. So. For me, you know, I had to move on to something a bit more professional, and for that, I needed a Mac. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I did try to, when I was abroad, I did try to use iPad as a mobile device, and although it's kind of good, um, there are a lot of restrictions. Yeah. Um, there is, you can do, you know, for example, opening a website. It just feels, as you, you use the right word, it feels cumbersome. And if yeah. you're managing a lot of different things, you know. Yeah. But you know what you should try is, and I've, I'm going to wait for the second gen, is the new Retina MacBooks. Oh boy. Are yeah. They beautiful or not? I mean, they are beautiful, but I, I mean, I, I used, it was a co-worker's that I, I used for about two, three days. He was kind enough to let me borrow it. And um, uh-huh. I wasn't traveling at that time, but they are so underpowered. For, yeah, yeah. for for you know for YouTube purposes for video editing, I mean it's close to impossible with that. Um, yeah, and, I, especially yeah. with the FaceTime camera, how on earth? What were the thinking of I putting a four eighty p camera in that? I have no idea. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, you know, but I think you know this is the thing with Apple, and we're seeing this more and more with Apple. It seems like they are really great at kind of uh, producing products and, and and options that are initially quite overpriced but they're really uh, test products almost prototypes for public yep. and I think uh, yep. you know the brand new MacBooks are an example of that I feel the Apple Watch is an example of that as well I think you know the second gen the third gen will be wow but at the moment it's just like it doesn't make sense to the to the average consumer or the power user um, yep so I'm going to touch on the Apple Watch later yeah. on in the show uh, the, if you remember when the MacBook Airs came out mm-hmm. they were extremely expensive and overpriced yeah. Yeah. Um, for what they were and then come the second and third gen they did get they, they got more beefier and the prices yeah. came down as well that's right I feel that's what's going to happen with the second gen I think so I, th- well. I think I think you know we'll see that I mean they, they make perfect sense uh, from a hardware mm-hmm. perspective I'm still not a fan of the single uh, USB-C port but port. Yeah. So, yeah but you know we, we, I'm, we can see well, we'll wait to see what happens with the next gens. Yeah, like, I was using it, and it was painful giving it back because it was just like you could pick it up so easily and of course. you know travel with it. 
yeah. it just felt as because I've had a MacBook Air in the past mm-hmm. you, you, I always thought how could something be even lighter than this you know yeah. and with a, such a smaller footprint that's right, and then they bring this right. out and I was like wow yeah, I suppose you, you, you know, in your case and in your situation, you're much more sort of uh, website uh, sort of heavy in terms of of the work that yep. you're doing. So it's it's great yep. for that. I think it's a great pick me up sort of laptop. Just do your stuff, put it down. But in terms of power use, it's definitely uh, underpowered at the moment. So I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. My biggest issue at the moment with with the Mac uh, that I'm currently using is the fact that it is cumbersome. You've got to load it up. You yeah. know, it, it does remind me of a bit of that kind of laptop sort of feeling where you've got to power it in, and you know, the battery's kind of it needs replacing or, or, or you know, yeah. reconditioning or something. So it feels like I'm tied down. Um, my wife carries a, around her MacBook Air, and you know, I've managed to uh, sort of install my own sort of profile on there now because it is easy. You've you taken just, over that. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, when I need to do sort of web-related stuff or social media stuff, um, I'm preferring mm-hmm. that as a go-to device or go-to laptop, MacBook, sorry, uh, as compared to my MacBook Pro. So, yeah, I can see I can see it sort of getting better with uh, further generations, hopefully. What about in terms of audio equipment? Do you tend to carry anything around, whether it's a Blue Yeti mic or... You know, my audio... You don't tend to do many. Uh-huh. Yeah, my audio, I don't really... Uh, I have, I, In fact, I have no audio uh, mics at all. Um, I actually have... Uh, it's actually sitting in front of me. I need to remember to take it back. It's a USB... Uh, what is it? Uh, one of the Snowballs... Or snowballs, yep. Yeah, so I've got that, but I've never used that. Again, you know, it's too big for me to kind of uh, carry, carry around, around with me. Um, to be honest with you, the cameras that I use uh, are really good. I think the Canon cameras are excellent. The S120, the Legria Mini X mm-hmm. is ideal because it's, you know, you can manually adjust the audio quality on the camera itself. But also the other thing now is with post-production, it's really easy to... Know, amend sound to get rid of background sound, especially if you're using something like Final Final Cut Pro uh, 10 uh, or Final Cut Pro X, as some people call it. So it's really easy yeah, to post production, yeah, yeah to, to to deal with the audio issues. So for me, at the moment, I, I don't really have a need. If I do voiceovers for for reviews and things, then I I just use my standard uh, what is it? white iPhone, you know, headphones, earpods. Uh, so they work perfectly fine for me. Excellent. Yeah. Did you hear about the the whole um, kind of moving on to um, actual travel? <laughs> um, the issue and the news about the boarding passes and VAT. I did. I did. I did yeah. VAT is. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's. Uh, I mean, but I, I, you know, I've been. Yeah. On you go. Oh no! After you, that's okay. You know, I've been traveling a lot in the past year or so, and I just thought it was m- merely a, a security angle that they took on it because they never explained it properly, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and then when it appeared up, I was like, hang on, I've actually never challenged them as to why yeah. they would want they would yeah. want it. And it made perfect sense when they were when it came in the news why they were actually wanting it for. Because yeah. um, when I've been to, like, sort of Thailand or Dubai, mm-hmm. they don't ask for it there, no. you know? 
no. there's no concept it's just like give, give us the money and on you go there's, actually there's no security implication it's really interesting because I've known about this for a number of years uh, I actually have a family member that works at Heathrow and he's in the retail business and he told me about this and I I, wow. I kind of didn't believe him to begin with but he just said to me that you know by law you don't actually have to show them your boarding pass and I was like okay um, we got into some conversation about how I think it was one or two companies weren't paying their taxes uh, and uh-huh. and he said to me that you know when he travels he makes it a point not to show his boarding pass now um, so and th- this I remember this conversation probably a good three years back so I've always done that now um, uh, you know I, I, I kind of make a fuss about the boarding pass uh, and I it's been okay there have been one or two occasions where I've had I think it was actually boots that uh, somebody had to call in the manager to kind of they said that you know and they they did a whole it made me feel bad in in the sense that they were saying well how did you manage where's your boarding pass we can't prove that you're you know you're you're taking a flight and this that the other and I told them I said look uh-huh. I'm aware of this uh, I wasn't aware to the extent of how much of of the tax a senior uh, would cost uh-huh. yeah but um, but you know it's interesting and so so when when the news came recently it was kind of like oh wow I had to call the uncle up and tell him you know you're right about it all those all those years ago so but it's interesting isn't it it is um, especially when you take into consideration that it doesn't happen overseas it only happens no. in the UK that's right you know? that's right yeah and is duty free really duty free that's uh, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's very odd. I think um, generally, I, you know, I, I've never I've never I know some people that make it uh, a real kind of a big deal whenever they fly out from the UK or wherever they are to make sure that they buy certain big purchases at the airport because they think it's duty free. I've never really sort of seen the value in that. Um, because when I compare the prices, uh, a lot of the stuff is still cheaper online through companies like Amazon or, you know, uh, third-party sort of yep. companies. So it it never appealed to me directly. Um, you know, we live in, in, in the UAE and it's supposed to be tax-free. Uh, but Zen, you've been to the UAE and you know that actually, oh, yeah. it's, yes. even even though it's tax-free, it's still almost, in some cases, you know, 20-30% more than it would be here in the UK. So, yeah. so it's kind of. It's actually yeah. really funny that you you touch on that because I was in um, Dubai maybe about three four years ago and mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Debenhams I was in. Yeah. So I'm taking a look at the clothes and they had the local price tag. Yeah. And then as I kind of peeled the price tag off, they had the pound sterling price tag on as well. Of course. And it worked. Yeah. It was like it was like thirty or forty percent cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In pounds, you know. Yeah. So they were obviously adding on local fees and their own of course you know, increasing their profits at the same time yeah there are a few things i mean like uh, interestingly enough apple products are cheaper in in the middle east so uh, you know i i would i would always buy my apple products from from the middle east now um particularly uh with the fact that we get sort of education discounts out there and also uh th- there is no vat so for example i'm looking at a what is it 2015 macbook uh, Pro Retina, the 13-inch model, you know, a base uh, laptop, a uh, base Mac, I keep calling them laptops, base uh, Mac is, uh, 
I don't know. I think here in the UK it's about one thousand two hundred, one thousand three hundred pounds. Whereas for the same yep. laptop, same MacBook, you're going to pay just under a thousand pounds in the UAE, uh, and that's wow. that's the that's the base price. If you factor in, you know, education discounts, and uh, so I work for the government as well, so I get a, a further discount as well. It's actually, um, you know, almost a four five hundred pound saving. So for some reason, uh, Apple products are cheaper generally in the UAE, in Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. Um, fast food obviously is cheaper <laughs> in in the Middle East yeah. and uh, petrol as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Th- thanks for throwing that in. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe how much you pay pay for fuel out here. But having said that, the UAE has put the money up, you know, put the price up on on fuel. So so that that's going to be interesting to see how that I, progresses. I hear you're going to be getting the world's biggest Apple store in Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. Is it this year or is it next year that it's? I think it's this year. I've had. Uh, um, I've had a few people who've kind of contacted me who uh, are kind of uh, in in media, in in sort of like mm-hmm. journalists and so on, who've sort of hinted at uh, the fact that it, it seems like it's going to be likely to be this year. Um, I think mm-hmm. the Mall of the Emirates has been earmarked and and perhaps Yas Mall, although there's some confusion about exactly where it'll be in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I'm assuming it will be in Yas Mall because that's the kind of the new upcoming mall there in Abu Dhabi uh, but yeah we, we're hopefully uh, getting finally uh, a couple of Apple stores in, in, the, in the Middle East and then in, in the UAE I think it's a long time coming really and is the price um, going to have any effect because I assume the prices that you were saying that it's cheap is that through resellers or is that through no Apple that's through directly? Apple directly that's through Apple directly through oh, wow. I mean if you if you go on their website then you can order with those prices um, uh-huh. so I'm assuming it'll be the same if it, if it comes to a store an actual physical store uh, having said that Apple resellers if you're talking about the sort of the non-gray market stuff so you know macbooks and and so on they are again they're you know cheaper than what you would pay in the uk even through resellers uh companies mm-hmm. like iStyle i think uh, they're, they're one of the iStyle, yep. yeah iStyle is one of the larger ones so uh, they still uh, sell the uh, apple products at a cheaper rate than you would get here in the uk so that is uh, that's gobsmacking. I never realised yeah. that that would be the case. Yeah. So if you want me to, for some reason, <laughs> if you want me to bring some stuff back, I can just add on Mquan, you know, <laughs> duty on that, and we can we can both be happy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a shame because um, I just bought an iMac five uh, K oh, wow. iMac about two months ago, and oh I got I got rammed through the post there on Friday, so it's um, twenty four gigs on it. Um, wow. And it runs like a beast. That's amazing, man. That must be fun. <laughs> it runs like a charm. <laughs> That's good. So, are you going to be upset next? Come next Friday when you go back and there's no Apple Pay in Abu Dhabi. Um, to be honest, I'm not going to be that upset because I've used. I remember when I when I landed here. I think I was in London and uh, mm-hmm. was it at the petrol station? I remember. My brother-in-law needed to top up, and I said, "Look, I want to pay for it." 
And he said, no, 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 let me pay for it. I said, okay, let me go in. We sort the money out afterwards. But I want to use Apple Pay. <laughs> and, um, right. and I used it. And it worked a treat the first time. But then I've had some really strange experiences with it. Um, I remember the second time I used it was in Leicester. I actually went to Waitrose and, and did a shop for £65. And it showed uh -huh. up on my on my Apple Pay as you know having gone through on the tills that they were using. It it, it said that it, it you know it, it hadn't gone through whatever. Uh, the lady had to call the manager. Manager made a couple of phone calls, and uh, she said to me, "Well, it's okay, sir. You can go ahead. We'll work this out. It seems to be an issue on our end." But then you know I, that was what four four weeks ago. I've checked my American Express and. And the other card that I used, and uh, it's still not shown up for that. So I probably got away with sixty-five pounds worth of groceries. Um, I've also had the experience on the underground, interestingly, because when I was in uh -huh. London, um, I used uh, I used it over two or three days, and the first day it it sort of charged me ten pence for an entire journey. And then the second day, it charged me the right amount. And then on the third day, it charged me just under the right amount. But I think it was just a pound under. So, but on the first day, it was interesting. It it, it obviously showed up as an error. Um, so it's kind of mm -hmm. hit and miss, real hit and miss. And then the other issue yeah. is going to places. I went to Nando's recently, and I didn't have my wallet on me. And uh, I, you know, I said, can, and they had the whole will accept Apple Pay and whatever and I, I wanted to use it because I think it's in principle I think it's it's quite a good uh, you know it's a good system because it means I don't have to carry a bulky wallet around with me I don't have to carry cards there's the issue with you know pin numbers cards getting stolen so I can see the value of it but it's just uh, implementation at the, at the moment I was a little surprised that I, I, I would have thought the UK would be uh, a better you know, a lot of these major retailers would be better equipped and better ready yeah, to use it. Especially because, yeah, especially because it's been in the states for just over a year now, and yeah. you'd think that coming to the UK, you've done all your homework and research, and you're going to do mm. a proper launch. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be a lot of miss. You know, consumers are being you know uh, misdirected in terms of the value of Apple Pay if you use it in store has got to be twenty pound or less. Oh. That's what I've been told, um, because it works as the same way as a wireless transaction from your card. So see if you've got one of those bank cards, but you yes. just tap on the reader. Yes. Um, it, I think it's NFC or something. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And the limit for that is only twenty pound, and Apple Pay is piggybacking on that same system. Mm. So, like for example, when you were saying in Retros, although they've got the Apple Pay logos. Underneath, they should say, you know, for transactions up to £20. Um, and maybe that's well, where the error has come about. Well, that's interesting because the petrol cost that I was charged through Apple Pay was £55. So, oh, wow. So, so that went through perfectly fine. And that was the first Apple Pay uh, that went through. So, it, it, you see, again, it seems like, I mean, that, that goes against mm. your kind of theory. Which is interesting because yeah, it's and this is the point. I mean, a lot of people don't really understand uh, how it works in the sense that you know when it will work or you know. So or, it's interesting. Yeah, and or if it's and there going was talk through, of yeah. that, and there was talk of that limit being raised uh, in October to mm. thirty pound. Okay. Um, 
I think they've just not kind of, you know, um, directed people the way they should have. You know, I was, because it was, I was surprised game. with with you know Waitrose and with uh, Nando's. I mean, the staff really had no idea what to do. Uh, and I remember actually, especially at Waitrose, <laughs> having to show the lady. I actually peeked over uh, at the cashier's point and I said, I think perhaps you need to press that button there. And uh, <laughs> that was interesting. And also at the Nando's store, I was saying, well, you know, if that doesn't work, let's try this one. And it was kind of... It's hilarious. Um, Good God. So, yeah, it's still in its infancy. I mean, look, as a, as a principal, I think it's great. I'm I'm actually pro yep. uh, making it easier for the consumers because, you know, it, it, it just means people will, will, will spend more. So it means that it's better mm-hmm. for the economy. I think it's better for, for people to carry one device from a security perspective. I mean, I'm sure everything is hackable. But I think just from the fact that, you know, you don't have to carry cards around and then, you know, there's no single pin. It works on through your uh, fingerprint. It, in theory, seems like a better option, uh, a more secure option than, you know, the traditional chip and pin that we're currently using. Oh, yeah. I think it's just totally down to convenience more than anything. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, once you're on this, you don't really feel like leaving the ecosystem at all because you've got all these things working for you. And uh, recently I was thinking of even getting a Surface, but then I thought, hang on, I'm tied into everything, you know? Um, The moment I leave that and try to experiment with a different platform, it's just going to cause issues and things like this and moving on to next to the Apple Watch, you know, having all these devices connected and linked to each other, synced up. Um, I mean, I haven't had any. I've I've seen the watch and the Apple Watch in store and had a play about with it, but I haven't had any kind of real life experiences with it. Um, the only like when I think of it, I th- the only one thing that I think it will excel in is travel. You know, having your boarding gate, your boarding pass, because the last thing you know, when traveling through airports and so on, is, you know, you've got your boarding pass and God knows which pocket you, you know, the boarding gates, you've yeah. lost which boarding gate is. And if they've changed the gates, which is a normal occurrence, um, you know, the, the boarding gate's been changed, um, trying to look for a screen, just having it there on your wrist, I can see yeah. some value in that. But I guess you've got to be a frequent flyer for having it. I yeah. think at the moment there aren't, any kind of apps that would really bring you in and it kind of goes back onto what you were saying earlier on is come next gen and third gen when the apps are there in the store when developers have had you know time on it but what is your kind of because i understand that you've had the watch and yeah i I use the thoughts on it yeah i use the apple watch i've got a video on my channel, Mquan Reviews, you can search that up on YouTube. Um, I I have done two videos actually. One of them is is a type of review uh, that I found in in the Middle East, so it was being used in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And then I've got a, a blog sharing my experiences. But you know, in summary, uh, for me, the Apple Watch is. It, I felt it was the first product the first Apple product that I've ever experienced and handled that completely had no use whatsoever. Um, and and mm. there are a lot of people that are very pro-Apple Watch, and I can 
respect that and understand that. But for me personally, it was, it was, for me, it was flawed right from the beginning because within about five, ten minutes of actually syncing everything and putting it on my wrist, uh, the first few notifications started coming in, and I felt completely, uh, completely angry at the the, the haptic kind of it, it, almost like you know you're in the middle of doing something and it's almost like your mm-hmm. arm twitches because it's kind of telling you this notifications come in so you're forced to kind of uh, feel it and acknowledge it and then when you look at that flimsy screen you know to kind of read through a notification it's just pointless absolutely pointless I felt that very quickly I, I, I turned all the notifications off on the Apple watch because I much rather look at those notifications when I want, when I choose to, on my phone. You know, already I'm kind of accused of, of spending far too much time in front of the screen. You know, and 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 then to have the watch doesn't help. You know, just the, the watch doesn't help because then you're constantly looking at your wrist. And um, yeah. I remember I was actually lecturing that day. I was in a class, and f- for a lot of the students, it was quite a a big deal because the Apple Watch hadn't been sort of launched. It still isn't launched officially in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and um, a couple of the students were like sir we noticed today you're you're really <laughs> checking your wrist a lot you know and I was like yeah so I've got the Apple watch on so it's very rude in that sense particularly in the Middle East you know that's there, there are certain customs and 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 things that you've got to respect and if you're constantly looking at your uh, if you're constantly looking at your wrist it can it can be an issue in certain cultures and societies but also, I, it's just yeah. every every aspect of it for me felt like it's just a product that Apple wants to get on the market because the competition they're doing it, and I think that's a problem. Yeah. And and I mean that's just a notification aspect of it for me. The other thing was the app selection was just atrocious. Nothing really needed. Yeah. Nothing, if we're honest, really needs to be on an Apple Watch. I mean, the phone is good enough. Does it? there was a Domino's pizza app so it tells you when it's in the oven when it's out the oven that's just unnecessary I mean I think I think we're going to a stage where it's bad enough already with the amount of screen time from a health perspective I mean we're we're already spending an insane amount of of time in front of screens it helps if those screens Mm -hmm. are larger Um, I mean my intention now is the, the next iPhone I'm going to get an iPhone 6 Plus because for me, the iPhone 6 feels like it's just limited uh, in, in screen real estate. And it's, you know, I'm feeling I'm actually noticing that I'm looking at the screen a lot more and it's affecting my eyes. But that Apple Watch screen size was just, it was, it was painful, really, really painful. Um, it reminds me of the experience that I had with Google Glass. I felt that, um, you know, with Google Glass, when I, when I had that for a while, um, I found that my eyes, is particularly my right, my right eye was after a few days, beginning to feel really squinted and it, it began to kind of hurt. And I felt the same with the Apple Watch because my eyesight's not great to begin with, but then kind of looking at the screen and trying to scroll through and you know make sense of the notification was you know it was kind of putting pressure on my eyes. But but the other thing for me is, um, you know, I've recently invested in, in a couple of luxury watches. They just don't compete. I mean, I've Apple, seen, yeah. you know, Apple Watch is a, is a great watch. I think it's very well built. 
But I don't want to be charging my watch every night. I think that's the other major flaw for me. Especially charging. you've got enough things to charge already. Exactly. You know, your phone, your laptops. Exactly. and You know, you've got your laptop, you've got your iPad, you've got your tablet, you've got your phone. The last thing you want to do yeah. is then end up charging, you know, another device which really doesn't have a need. And, and that's the other point. And then you compare it with the craftsmanship of a traditional mechanical watch. I mean... You know, I recently bought a uh, an AP, uh, and it's just it just doesn't compete. I would never give wrist time to an Apple Watch over my AP because, you know, it just it's it's just they're on completely two different levels. I think the Apple Watch has no place on my wrist, my personal wrist. I think there are some people that I've met who who are very sort of passionate about the Apple Watch and for whatever reason but they're really i've noticed they're not people that are, are into watches traditionally they don't uh you know right. the apple watch is the first experience in terms of wearing a watch uh that they're having uh so yeah it's interesting i like i said at the beginning the apple watch is a first product that i've experienced that uh has come out of apple which i see no point in whatsoever now i don't know how they're gonna see change. it's interesting it's interesting that you mentioned that because you know myself, like you know, I'm a huge fan of 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 Apple, and it's one of, of those things where when I saw it, immediately I thought I said I'm not going to invest in this, you know. No. And it was quite strange because everyone in the family was saying, you know, how can you not be getting one, you know? Yeah. And outright, I was like, I just don't need it, you know. Um, I won't be using it. I've got the iPhone for what I think I'd be doing with the watch. Um, so it was a total no-no um, and I, I'm kind of glad because I've seen your review I've seen other people, even hardcore people who, you know on the launch said this was the next thing best thing since I sliced bread mm. even they themselves now, a few months in are saying the opposite where they're saying it's flawed and you know wait for the next gen because the apps aren't there and yeah. you know it's interesting, you know, so, you can tell a lot about Apple products through their, through the adverts. And I recently saw an advert, I think it was today, on TV for the Apple Watch. And it was interesting, the entire advert, this was one of the first Apple adverts that didn't give me that kind of buzz feeling of, oh, wow, I want that product because it's going to do X, Y, Z for me. You know, uh, with the iPhone adverts, you can kind of, oh, wow, look at the photography, look at the... Look at the FaceTime aspect. Look yeah. at the look at the phone uh, the aspect, or yeah. the apps, or whatever. But the Apple Watch, the advert yeah. for it, just was like, why the hell? What? Why are those? Why are those guys doing things on their wrists? <laughs> Pull out the phone. You know, it's easier. It's kind of just, <laughs> just, just work with the you know, the 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 real estate screen, real estate that you have on your phone, as opposed to, you know, I think one of the scenes was this father on the plane who's fallen asleep and his kid is playing sort of noughts and crosses on on the Apple Watch, which is just insane. I mean, you know, the kid's going to pull out an iPad or, you know, an iPhone. Why would you do that on a wrist? So it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. But, you know, look, I, I, I'm, I'm always hopeful and I, I think it'll be nice to see the second and third gen and see where, you know, what they offer. But to be honest with you, I, I think... Personally, I think the whole notion of smartwatches are flawed. Um, I think yeah. the smartwatches will work in the in, in the form of a, a Fitbit. So I wear a Fitbit Flex. Oh no, sorry, Fitbit Charge HR. 
Um, and I can see it working perfectly for that. And I don't mind charging that up because it, it gives me about five days worth of, of battery. But that's very functional. I can see the time on there. I can see the steps that I've taken that syncs intelligently with my phone throughout the day. So it works really well with that. But um, I, I don't see how even notifications on my watch are necessary. I, I don't, I, I don't yeah. see how that will work long term. I think you've got to really be, yeah, I think you've got to really be in a field that, as I said, whether you're a traveler or some, I don't even know what the selection of apps that are just now on the watch, but there has to be something that, you know, does it for you mm. or or does something better or, or kind of accompanies your current setup, yeah. you know? Um, I, I mean, when I was in things about the fitness stuff. Yeah, when I was in London, I did see somebody try and make an uh, Apple Pay purchase through their watch, which was interesting to to see because even that process in itself required an extra step that would have been, you know, that wouldn't have been necessary with the with with the phone, um, mm-hmm. which was interesting to see because you know with the phone you just put it onto the payment part and you just put your fingerprint on the on the home button. Whereas with the Apple Watch, you've got to press a button, then press another button, and then move that wrist in a completely awkward way onto the kind of card reader. Um, and it was quite interesting. Everybody around him were kind of like, trying to be clever with the Apple Pay system there, you know. So it's kind of, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but, uh, Mo, that is uh, uh, about our... Um let you go you've got a lot of stuff to do before you leave uh, this week on Friday and it was right. a, a mission trying to get a hold of you uh, oh, for the show so I do really appreciate you coming along for it no, under such uh, short notice no problem um, no thank you really uh, it's it's awesome catching up with you it's awesome to, to be you know part of this uh, uh, podcast as well you know I think it's a great it's a great opportunity to to kind of explore these these two areas of tech and, and travel so you know kudos to you for for, oh, and for making that happen yeah thanks very much and no doubt um we'll be exhibiting at gtex in dubai in october so awesome. hopefully we'll catch up with you then um yeah whether it's a vlog or a joint podcast or something we'll, we'll try and do something for definitely the time we're there um, definitely. and i hope um the, the audience um you, you know you're most welcome to give us feedback on the show um, you can email us directly on info at iGear.com. Uh, that's Alpha Yankee Echo Golf Echo Alpha Romeo.com. I have to literally say it because uh, I've been told the accent really doesn't do it well for a lot of people. <laughs> and um, where can um, the audience um, see more of your work and follow you on MCON? Yeah, the, the, look, the best way uh, is to head on over to YouTube, uh, go over to that search button and type in Mquan. Mquan is spelled E for Echo, M for Mango, K for Kangaroo, W for Whiskey, A for Alpha, N for November. Uh, you can see all my video content there. I've got three channels, uh, two of which are sort of current. And, uh, you know, if you're into vlogs, if you want to see what life is like out in the Middle East, in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, uh, you can check those out on Mquan TV. And then Reviews, which is technology, and cars, and very shortly we'll be getting into sort of luxury watches as well. Uh, we'll be on Mquan reviews, uh, and then you can follow Mquan again, E M K W A N, 
on all the social platforms. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Periscope, the list goes on. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what you do next. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but listen, thanks very much anyway. Hope you all guys uh, had a great show and we'll see you in the next one.